Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined again by Travis Ryer, the senior analyst at BamaOnline.com, the Pigskin Podcast Network, bringing it to you here. And uh, we're looking forward to a, a fun show tonight here on Talking Tide. Of course, our Twitter feed is Talking underscore Tide. I want to thank our sponsors, as always, Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa and also North River Dental Associates. We'll be telling you a little bit more about them a little bit later in the program. Uh, but we lead things off, Travis, previewing week two for Alabama on the schedule. Up next, the Mercer Bears, a team that's going to bring a little option, a little misdirection, maybe a little old school football philosophy-wise uh, to Alabama and and. Uh, not surprisingly, Nick Saban, as he often does uh, in weeks like this, uh, goes on a bit of a tirade at his news conference here on Wednesday. You know, Travis, back in 2009 and 2010. Uh, in your day. Yeah. You you and I could kind of predict these things. And back then it was it – was, uh, uh, it was fun. Now the boys in 2021, they predict, they predicted every year and, uh, it, it's falls a little flatter with that crystal ball. I think after about 12 years of this, right? Yeah. As long as it hits the target with the players, I guess that's all that matters, but you're right. Pretty predictable that coming off the kind of performance Alabama put forth against Miami in the opener. And what have you heard in the last three or four days on the national media front? This might be Saban's best team. I don't see anyone in college football that can challenge this team. And then you've got an FCS opponent sandwiched between Miami and Florida coming up a week from Saturday. Yeah, you could kind of see this one coming. And I don't think Nick, as you sort of alluded to there, gets all that excited about these academy offenses coming to town at any point in the season. You know, Mercer's going to come in here with this sort of wing tee triple option hybrid. Yeah, you know, I don't think Nick likes seeing those. It it was almost a preemptive tin horn rant that we heard, I thought, on Wednesday evening. The only thing about those kind of offenses coming to Tuscaloosa that I think Nick Saban probably appreciates is that and just as Georgia Southern did with the way they ran it all over Alabama back in 2010 or 11 or whatever 11 it was. against one of the very best defenses in Alabama football history. Yeah, they 300, 300 plus. rushing yards. Yeah, Nick didn't it, like that. It was a sight to see that that post game Nick Saban presser. <laughs> I still to I'll go to my I'll die on this hill as they say, Travis. Uh, that post gamer after Georgia Southern was the greatest one Nick Saban's ever done. Period. <laughs> It's uh, you can lock it up. You give it a trophy. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, the one thing about those games, Travis, that I think Nick Saban appreciates is those kinds of teams want to shorten the game. And he likes to keep those games short too, right? Fewer snaps. To, you should be able to go in base defense pretty much all day, you know, all afternoon and do what you need to do. Maybe play a little nickel. Not going to be any dime, I don't think, on Saturday. But, yeah, I mean, you're the superior team. But it's the psychology involved, once again, that – he worries about first and foremost in a situation like this. No doubt about it. Alabama taking on Mercer. They are uh, uh, Alabama 1-0 coming off of this victory over the Miami Hurricanes over in Atlanta and taking on the Mercer Bears. How about a quick look at potential breakout players for the season, Travis, as we look ahead 
some thoughts from you, maybe not so much from starters, from but rather backups, maybe the twos, uh, who, who you feel like might be playing a much bigger role by November, December, et cetera, than, than they are right now. Yeah, I think you got to start at outside linebacker after the injury to Christopher Allen. You already saw it last Saturday with Drew Sanders coming off the bench, a second-year player. Chris Braswell, another second-year player coming off the bench in that game. And now the possibility that Dallas Turner, who you sort of expected all along, would at some point show up more and more, maybe in a situational role. The five-star true freshman edge defender, well, you got to think he comes into play as well. So whereas the defensive side of the ball and depth at linebacker in general continues to be a real strength for this team, wouldn't surprise me to see a continuation of, well, I'd be surprised if we didn't see a continuation of what we saw against Miami. But in terms of stepping more into the limelight from a production perspective, making big plays, you know, Drew Sanders had six tackles against Miami on Saturday. Nice performance. And so he's got the ability. Braswell's got the ability. Um, you know, the offensive line, wide receiver, I think on that side of the ball chase, probably some guys at those spots that you might anticipate seeing more and more of as the season goes along. Kool-Aid McKinstry, a freshman that people are excited about for sure. Maybe we see a little bit more of him as the season moves along. I think he's a backup uh, as a return specialist as well. So uh, he's definitely one to, to keep an eye on as the season progresses. And as we've mentioned on the podcast in recent weeks, I'm a Tim Smith guy. Didn't get on the field until really – fairly late, I think, in the fourth quarter or mid-fourth quarter against the Hurricanes. Uh, but he's a defensive tackle, I think, that's got a lot of potential. And and uh, we'll see if he takes on a little bit more of a role uh, than we saw against Miami as the season goes on. And really, uh, the defensive line, the way Nick Saban likes to rotate guys, Travis, keep guys fresh, uh, that's an area where twos tend to contribute as much or more than anywhere. I like to see LeBron Ray wouldn't be a breakout, although it might be in some ways because LeBron's been so injury plagued in his four plus seasons at Alabama. You'd love to see LeBron Ray get back into that mix and be able to really impact some things because even in their nickel defense, when they like to go with a defensive end at that one spot opposite the Jack linebacker, that's a role he could really help them in, especially with Christopher Allen out. So, you know, Maybe some young guys that we haven't seen much of to this point, but also even some veterans that perhaps still have a chance to impact things significantly. How about the home crowd for this game against Mercer, Travis? Obviously, uh, we've we've seen against teams like Mercer uh, maybe a little bit of a lackluster attendance number, particularly as people start to file out the second half, especially if it's hot, which it tends to be in the month of September, certainly. However, Coming off the 2020 season when there was limited capacity at Bryant-Denny Stadium and a lot of people who've been going to a lot of Alabama games for a long time didn't get in the house at Bryant-Denny in 2020. I wonder if the reaction to that, if that's the best word for it, is is that this place will – Bryant-Denny will be – maybe a little bit more packed than normal for a game like this, and and maybe everybody sticks around for the whole game, regardless of the outcome. You know, on Wednesday evening, we got the FCS opponent message to the players 
that Thursday call-in show, we might get a, it better be what it ought to be to the fans maybe on Thursday night from that perspective. Good bread. Maybe Saban saving uh, talking to for a fan base that didn't really have as much of an opportunity to see the Crimson Tide a year ago. So yeah, it's tough. You know, you talked about the contributing factors. It's an FCS opponent. It's a three o'clock kickoff. Um, you know, I think there are still people who have concerns one way or the other about going to a game uh, it, while we're still dealing with some issues pandemic related. So it, it will be it will be one of the fascinating storylines uh, to consider uh, going into Saturday's game and then you know, kind of coming out of it. What was the response? I, I think Alabama fans are going to be there. Uh, especially to celebrate a national championship team from a year ago. Not that it's a reunion type day or anything like that, but um, you know, I think there's, there's plenty of reasons to show up if you can. Speaking of fascinating storylines, we're joined by Aaron Suttles of the athletics been covering Alabama football for a, a long time. He and I are one time Tuscaloosa news colleagues going back quite a few years and, uh, Aaron's great to have you in. Incestuous, yeah. this beat, Aaron <laughs> Sells. Right. Yeah, the three of us might have been in that in that <laughs> Naylor Stone room at one time. Who knows? But uh, at any rate, Aaron, great to have you here on the Talking Tide podcast. Wanted to ask you a little bit about the feature story that you put together on Alabama running back Trey Sanders for The Athletic. If you haven't seen it yet, our listeners should uh, definitely check it out. It dropped today. It was outstanding. Um, really a, a deep and detailed look. And Travis and I have talked about this a, a week or so ago when, uh, or he, actually it was uh, just this past Sunday night after Sanders uh, was able to pop a touchdown against Miami, which was an, a, an emotional moment for, for him and the program, really. Uh, kind of take us behind the curtain a little bit on that story you put together. Well, I mean, just Trey himself is pretty fascinating. I mean, 247 Sports, which Travis can tell you about, in depth, um, they have him ranked as the 152nd best recruited rank that they, since they've been keeping track of that stuff. That's that's where he is athletic wise. And in 2019, really seemed to be maybe the next guy behind Najee. And then he, he suffers that foot injury and he gets put in a year in rehab and coming back from that fractured foot. And then we all we all know last year got in that horrific car accident, but. Here's a guy that's got all the talent in the world, and then all of a sudden he looks up and um, Jason McCullum's passed him by, maybe Rodale Williams has passed him by, and and just talking to the the athletic trainers over at Alabama, what he had to endure, and multiple people said this, and, and you could read it in the story, no one would have blamed him if he just said, you know what, I just want to be able to have a normal life, be able to walk, and, and I'm good. I don't need to play football at this level, Power 5 Alabama level. But that was never even a thought process for Trey Sanders. So for him to get back on the field and have that sort of cathartic experience after he scored that 20-yard touchdown was pretty cool. Aaron, I thought one of the interesting parts of your story was, uh, and kudos to you for getting uh, some comments from the training staff, which I know isn't always easy, but you know they remarked how – They've got roadmaps for ACLs. They've got roadmaps for, you know, separated shoulders, high ankle sprains, all the common football injuries. But there was no roadmap for the Alabama training staff with what 
Trey Sanders brought to him in terms of injuries. Some of them were internal. There were there, there were problems with internal organs. Of course, it, it certainly looked career threatening at one point. But beyond being career threatening, it these weren't football injuries, and and so it was um, it was touch and go on both sides of it. I mean, when when you tear your ACL, it's pretty commonplace now. You get the surgery. They they know where you are each step of the process. Okay, you've done this. You've met this milestone. We're going on to the next one. There's a script is what Jeremy Giselle, the, the head guy over there at Albion in terms of rehab, the way he put it, there wasn't that for this. And and there wasn't because they couldn't just start rehabbing the muscular and orthopedic stuff. There were internal organs that had to heal before they could even start the, the, the rehabilitation process orthopedically. So, I mean, he had a lot. I mean, he was really banged up in in I thought it was, you know, talking to Jeff Allen, Alabama's head of um, basically head athletic trainer over there. He said he got the phone call from the ER doctor in the Florida Panhandle who started the conversation with, we think he's going to make it, mm. which was jarring to Jeff Allen because he's had guys that have been hurt, guys have been in an accident. And you, you just expect, OK, broken arm, broken leg, you know, stuff like that. When you hear we think he's going to make it, that makes it really real in a very visceral way. And I thought um, Jeff Allen put that really well, that he had a long and arduous process to come back from this, and not everybody would have done it. So, you know, it's a hallmark moment, no doubt about it, and beyond, Aaron, with what Trey was able to sort of celebrate even in-game last Saturday against Miami. But look, the dude looked great on top of everything else. This wasn't just simply some feel good yeah. story that, Hey, late in the game, we got a guy back on the field and, you know, he was able to get a couple snaps. You know, this is a guy who had four runs of eight yards or more in the game on yeah. Saturday. So what are we thinking in terms of not just the big picture future of that position with a committee approach going into the opener, but maybe in the not too distant future, what are we looking at maybe with Trey Sanders? Well, you guys know how loaded Alabama is at running back. That, that just makes this so complicated because um, one thing I did see a goal line, if you haven't seen it, I think Cole Kublik has it up on his Twitter tonight, and he's looking at the offensive line aspect of it. But there's a goal line camera angle of that run, of his touchdown run, where he's basically Trace coming at you. It wasn't that he just raced, outraced the guy to the corner and beat him. He Great vision, takes it yeah, inside, sees mm-hmm. it, cuts it outside, and, and follows a block. So – a lot of the intangible stuff that that the, all those running back coaches at Alabama teach, you know, sort of learning how to follow your blocks, learning how to sort of press where you need to press to, to make a defender commit. You got all those things great. And he's still, you know, one thing I, I wish I'd, I put probably should have put in the story, but because I didn't have the raw numbers, I didn't want it to ring hollow. I asked both Jeff Allen and Jeremy Giselle where Trey was. You know, they have all these different ways of measuring explosive movements at Alabama, all those metrics. They put those GPS things on those guys so they can measure them. And they said his numbers are better than when he got wow. hurt. That's amazing. So it's not just a feel-good story, but certainly it is a feel-good story. He's actually – I mean, everyone is happy for him, but he's earned that. They didn't just throw him and give him a pity carry late in the game. He can actually help him. Like you said, Travis, this is going to be interesting because I've got so many weapons at running back. But when you see – you know, when you see now you can trust it, and Nick Saban said this on Monday – I think it gave Trey confidence, right? Anybody's had a major injury. Part of the thing is the mental hurdle that you have to clear. To, you, you've been told you're okay. You've seen all that stuff. You're okay. Well, trusting your body. I think I think he's he brings a different 
obviously a different element than, than Brian Robinson, who's great in his own right, but he's just not that type of back. And he's got an extra gear. So I think you're, you're right. A couple of weeks down the road, you can start getting more and more confidence with him. Who knows where he ends up? Check it out at the athletic Aaron Suttles, outstanding feature story on Trey Sanders. Aaron, before we let you go, Travis and I have been spending the first part of the podcast, kicking around potential breakout candidates for the 2021 season. Uh, your thoughts, is there a guy or two who maybe didn't figure prominently in the Miami game who you expect to be on the field a lot by season's end? Gonna put you on the spot here. Oh, well, my first one was sort of because of the way the first week played out. My first offensive guy was Cameron Latou, and I swear it's on record somewhere. <laughs> Jaleel, I mean, if Jaleel doesn't mature very quickly, he just got an example of how quickly you get replaced at Alabama. I mean, obviously Jaleel's a different kind of player than, than Cameron and can provide you know more maybe wide receiver skills, but I. I don't think what he did was a fluke because we've been – you guys have heard it too, that he, he can make some plays. I mean, that mm-hmm. first touchdown was just – he was open and Bryce made a great read. The second touchdown, I mean, guys are bouncing off him. He's a big guy, six foot five. He's not easy to bring to the ground. So, I think he's one. I've really – I was really excited for what DeMarco Hellams maybe was going to be this year. Mm-hmm. I think – and Nick Saban said as much when talking about Jordan Battle, but they're on the back end of that defense of, of how well he was playing with DeMarco. So – but Brian Branch, you guys have heard too, they, they want to find a role for him. So, um, you know, I'm also interested in, and you guys probably have talked about him, but where does Kool-Aid sort of factor in all this? Because Jalen Armour Davis played pretty well. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a good problem to have, right, when you've got a lot of players that you're trying to get on the field. Alabama probs, no doubt about it. Latham, too. Who, who yeah. knows what tackle holds? Because I, I think Chris Owens played well, but they weren't perfect. And maybe he's got a role down the future. Yeah, it definitely looks like things are still in flux a little bit on the offensive line headed into week two against the Mercer Bears. Aaron, great to have you on here on the podcast. Hope to get you back soon. Yeah, I thought this was a drive-by truckers or Jason Isbell podcast. Hey, I, I will be at Isbell as soon as the game ends on Saturday night going to the Oak Mountain Amphitheater and catching some, some, good, some good rock and roll shows. There you go. Nice. Sounds like fun. All right, we'll see you, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. Take care. See you, man. There he goes, Aaron Suttles of the Athletic, longtime Alabama beat writer with an excellent story on Trey Sanders. Definitely uh, you should check it out. Also check out a couple of sponsors that keep Talking Tide rolling. We're going to start by telling you about North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley. Now, Travis, I chipped a tooth just today significantly enough that oh, wow. I've, got, I've got to get in there at front Opening, opening a beer well. bottle. Yeah, <laughs> no. I bet. I, I wish. No, uh-huh. but uh, uh, I picked up the phone. They, they're they going to get me right in there. Not going to have to wait a week. Got my appointment set right up. I know Dr. Jack's going to take great care of me. So, uh, you know, those emergency dental visits that you got to take once in a while, especially when you get older and those teeth start breaking down like mine, they'll get you taken care of well and quickly over there at North River Dental. 752-3506 is the number to call. Uh, you can also make an appointment online. That's NorthRiverDentist.com is where you can catch them on the Internet. It's Dr. Jack and his staff of outstanding dental hygienists uh, take care of you in every kind of way, whether it's pediatric dentistry, laser dentistry, porcelain veneers, teeth whitening services, 
oral surgery, endodontics, dentures. They do it all at North River Dental Associates, conveniently located in Fairfax Park, right off of Watermelon Road. Keep them in mind the next time you need to get your teeth taken care of. Make sure you get in there twice a year for routine cleanings like everybody should. It's North River Dental Associates. You know, I think I spoke that busted grill for Good Bread into an into existence last week because I mentioned the sort of emergency care services that you're going to get at North River Dental. I've been there. I've got some bonding on the old front tooth. That's the result of some overzealous outfield play in a softball league about 30 (laughs) years ago when I did a face plant into a fence. You thought it was the World Series, didn't you, Travis? it was, you know, beer league (laughs) softball and you're running into fences. Yeah. yeah, and I've had some bonding issues in the past, and I look like Lloyd Christmas from Dumb and Dumber when this thing <laughs> pops off. I even got the haircut now to match. Um, and they took great care of me quickly, just like Chase said. So, absolutely, they can do that for you. Peterbrook Chocolatier right there at 1530, McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. They take care of your emergency chocolate needs, and you know what I'm talking about. Good Bread does, too. When you got to have it, you got to have it. And they got it at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Also, the official chocolate of choice at Bryant-Denny Stadium in the suites and the skyboxes. So you'll see maybe some Peterbrook Chocolatier floating around the stadium on Saturday afternoon. Not going to melt because they eat it too fast. No chance of that chocolate melting. Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. You can also give them a call. 205-752-0211. That chocolate temper machine that I've seen in the back Ooh. of the chocolatier, it's kind mm-hmm. of mesmerizing to watch that thing spin around and uh, turn that chocolate over. It's a lot of fun over there uh, at Peterbrook. They got great product from wall to wall. I uh, love going over there to Peterbrook Chocolatier. All right, the Talking Tide podcast moves on. Again, our Twitter feed is talking underscore tide. Subscribe to our new YouTube channel as well. We've got a uh, budding YouTube subscribership already. Travis here uh, on Talking Tide. Glad to be getting to people uh, through that medium now as well. Quick look ahead to some SEC games before we get out of here, Travis. Only one uh, SEC v SEC game on the docket for week two. That's Missouri at Kentucky. I kind of like the Cats at home. I think Mark Stoops has got that defense in a place now where uh, they're not great every year, but at least decent every year and decent enough to keep them close, keep them tied. I know offensive explosiveness is is where Kentucky's been lacking, certainly, uh, under Mark Stoops. We'll see if that problem gets solved in 2021, but I kind of like the Cats at home here. I think I do, too, and a lot of that has to do with understanding it was against UL Monroe last week, but Will Levis, the transfer quarterback, was exceptional in Kentucky's season opening win. They've added some explosiveness via the transfer portal. I think you'll see that show up again uh this week perhaps at the wide receiver spot and if you got a running back named Kivasio Kivasio smoke I'm probably not going to pick against you if it's close but I love Chris Rodriguez too the other running back both those guys uh love Rodriguez just think he's a really good back offensive line play has continued to improve under Mark Stoops and you know you don't like to hear a coach say on say Wednesday that he doesn't think his team's anywhere 
near ready to go on the road and win a game like this. But that was Eli Drinkwitz at midweek. So, eh, Connor Bazelak going to have to play his ass off. Uh, Tyler Beatty, running back from Missouri, had a big game last week. They're going to have to be huge. But I go with you. I like I like UK in the game. All right, a couple of other interesting games involving SEC teams before we close things out. Uh, Texas at Arkansas, North Carolina State at Mississippi State. The Florida Gators going to be taking on those South Florida Bulls. I believe that one's at USF, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Somewhat surprising James. to see uh, uh, UF uh, playing uh, USF on the road, but there you have it. And then finally, Travis, the Johnny Majors Bowl. Uh, got to be tuned in for that. Pitt at Tennessee. Who you like there? Yeah, you got a continuation of sort of that SEC-ACC challenge from week one. And, you know, going against my better judgment, I'm going to go with Tennessee and a close one at home. Um, didn't really get the warm and fuzzies from Joe Milton in quarterback play once again from Tennessee in the opener. I think he improves in week two. The Vols somehow get it done against Pitt. Um you know, I think uh, you, you talked about Texas and Arkansas bumper pool, the outstanding linebacker suspended for the first half of that game after being flagged for targeting and Arkansas's went over rice in the second half last week. That could be pretty critical. Sark's team looked better than I think some people expected against Louisiana Lafayette um, and a game I'm really intrigued by because it took everything Mississippi State had last weekend to come back from 20 down to beat yeah. Louisiana Tech is NC State going into uh, Stark Vegas. And uh, you're not coming back from 20 down this week if that's what NC State is able to do and get you in that position. If you're Mike Leach, USF, Florida, maybe 10 years ago, that would have been intriguing. USF is horrible. Yeah, They are terrible right now. Lost. Speaking of NC State, I think it was 45 to nothing yeah. last week in Raleigh. So uh, that's working out pretty nicely for the Gators with Alabama on tap one week from Saturday. Yeah, you and I both being Florida natives have kind of eyeballed all those programs in the Sunshine State. There was a time when I thought USF was going to blow right by UCF yeah. as kind of the fourth program in the state. Uh, it looked like it was going to happen for a little while, but no, not at all. And if you're USF right now and you're seeing UCF basically rubber stamped into the changing Big 12 and you're still chilling in yeah. the AAC, that's a rough one because there is no reason why you shouldn't be in tandem with UCF going into the Big 12. And so, you know, it's just pretty amazing to see how far the Bulls have fallen here in the last few years. No doubt about it. That's going to do it for us here on the Talking Tide podcast. Want to thank our guest, Aaron Suttles. Hopefully have a couple more guests for our viewers a little bit later and listeners a little bit later in the season. Be sure to join us for the Sunday Nighter when we recap Alabama's home opener against the Mercer Bears. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television on WVUA. We'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.